You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hey, everyone. I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to TFM's local books and comic show. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and so excited to have me with me in the news this week uh, is the one and only Bruce Gibson. And here I am, the one and only, to talk about many things. No, just one thing. Three tonight, things. Bruce. Just one. Oh, okay. Yeah. One yeah. thing tonight. Well, I mean, I guess it's three and one. So, three the Trinity? And one. Yes. Not that trend. No, we're not going to go into that deep. Um, but, uh, before we dive into the news tonight, uh, just a reminder, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for checking out Literary Treks. Of course, you can find us anywhere. And when you do, make sure you're subscribed so you get the show as soon as it drops. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a star baiting review. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TrekFM or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. we got the listeners only discussion group on facebook that you can join called the babel conference and enjoy talking to listeners from all over the world so we hope you do that and uh you can also go to the website trek.fm slash contact choose a show choose larry trucks and you can send an email to bruce and i we'd love to hear from you and uh, maybe some some ideas of books you'd like to have us cover especially as we look towards the next year and all that kind of stuff so really would appreciate that but Bruce, um, the big thing in the news, and the only thing we have in the news tonight to really talk about, is the fact that all three covers now have been released for the CODA series, which is pretty phenomenal because they really do make that one sheet, which, please, God, please, can they just give us a poster for? Right. Will they? Probably not, but I hope so. They really should, because this is beautiful. That third cover that has come out, features the Defiant on it, which in a lot of ways surprised me because I thought we were either going to see Voyager or the Titan. And I was not expecting the Defiant because in the second cover, we have the space station of Deep Space Nine and we have the Aventine. So why, you know, those are kind of Deep Space Nine connections. So really two out of the three covers are more DS9 focused. That doesn't mean the book, whoops, that doesn't mean the books are heavily ds9 focused they may be but you know don't judge a book by its cover well and that's exactly what we're doing here bruce so we're judging the entire series by its covers and you know i love the way that you know the the covers you know we talked about with um moments asunder and then of course with ashes of tomorrow and now oblivion's gate how they all connect together and you kind of see this idea of like this timeline and things beginning to kind of like come apart uh, you know, we get the Defiant flying into almost looking like it's becoming a blueprint 
um, you know, like it, it's 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 reverting back to a blueprint status, you know, like it, the shattered glass, you know, uh, like you talked about last time with the idea of like, you know, the, the mirror universe Maddie popping up and, and just the way in which the entire Star Trek universe as we know it through the lit verse all coming apart. And, you know, it's it's sad but it's also just such a great piece of art. And, you know, I got to say, uh, a few years back when they did Seekers, I actually got uh, one of the posters from that. I can't remember. I, I don't remember which one of the authors sent it to me, but they had some copies that they had had at a convention and they had some extras. And I'm like, are you sure we don't just have copies of this as a poster that we want to give out? Because this is just seriously like this is a beautiful piece of art that I would absolutely love to see. Um, and I would put on my wall because, you know, it is a part of Star Trek that for me has meant so much. And now it's coming to an end. And I think they did a great job of selling it. And like you, I was surprised to see Defiant on there and not Titan. And I wonder why that is, especially since I feel like almost titan would have felt like a good ship to have there because titan was specifically created in the lit verse yeah that's actually a very good point because this really ties up the titan line of novels we're probably not going to get titan novels anymore but the defiant will live on in future deep space nine novels so yeah you would kind of expect to see the titan and especially since we've been seeing the titan in lower decks recently so people are more and more familiar with the look of the Titan ship. So it is surprising that it's not there. Now I'm even more disappointed that it's not there. I'm glad the Defiance there. Do you there, think they did that but, because uh, of Lower yeah. Decks and they didn't want people to get confused? Do they think we're that dumb? No. I would just say that a Titan cover probably sells better. I'm sorry, a Defiant cover sells better than a Titan cover. That's probably it. Because if you look at book one, it's the Enterprise E. Book two, people are familiar with Deep Space Nine, but it's not the original space mm -hmm. station. But you can probably tell that it's probably DS9. And then the third one's Defiant. These are more familiar yep. ships and stations than the, the Titan is. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and so, I, you know, all in all, I, th I think we would say that these covers get the stamp of approval. Three of them, yeah, yes. All three. Uh, great stuff. I, I'm really excited. I can't wait to read this series. You know, uh, as sad as it is, I also think it's going to be great. Three authors that I definitely trust, so I can't wait to get there. And um, yeah, Bruce, you know, I'm really excited because this week we have an interview with John Jackson Miller about his new book, Rogue Elements, that I'm going to dive into. So, um, well, I, I hate to say see you later, but... Well, see you later. Uh, okay, bye. Well, so excited as always uh, to have back another author here on Literary Treks. And uh, this week we've got the great John Jackson Miller back to talk about his Picard novel, Rogue Elements, which, uh, John, I see you've got the art hanging right up behind you there in your office. <laughs> I do. It's uh, It's... Uh, uh, you know, I, I do placards for these things that I can take to conventions and, uh, uh, you know, this one just, uh, has been in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. It has been in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. It has been in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. 
and it has been in Kansas City on consecutive Saturdays here uh, in July and August. So uh, it's uh, it's seen some travel, and uh, it keeps hopping back up on the wall. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, it's it's sort of like a uh, oh I don't know. It's sort of like a a merchant freighter. It keeps going to new places <laughs> and then come back. It's like your own La Siena. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There so you go. that's great. That's great. Well, obviously. Um, one of the things that I, thought I was really interested with this book is the, the fact that you got a chance to, you know, write about Rios, um, kind of fill us in on his backstory. So a lot going on there. Um, and in, in many ways, this book, you, you even mentioned it in, um, I think, the afterword where you're just kind of talking about some of the inspiration there. Um, yeah. You wanted this book to feel very different. And so yeah. I would love to kind of hear you just talk a little bit about as you were getting into this first, what made you decide, Hey, I want to do Rios. And two, what was the inspiration here for where you end up, you know, just going with the story? You know, I, I keep thinking, um, I, when I finish a book, I keep thinking, well, that's it. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> it's cause there's so much <laughs> effort that goes into them. And you know, I'm not really, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm in a position, fortunately, where I don't chase assignments. Usually I, uh, you know, almost everything uh, is something where I get approached. And uh, so it's never really a case where, you know, I, I have a burning desire to write about this character or that character, and I need to immediately, you know, go start pitching it. Um, but, uh, you know, what happened is, uh, you know, I got done with the, uh, uh, I got done with the Die Standing novel, which is the uh, Emperor Georgiou book. Uh, and it was, um, you know, that that book we were getting ready to uh, publish, uh, you know, just as the pandemic hit um, and just as, um, you know, everything uh, began to uh, you know, unravel in the world. And, you know, when that novel actually came out, you know, it's it wasn't uh, with anything like the uh, you know big uh, impact that I was hoping it was going to have, just in terms of me being able to physically go to places and, and right. uh, you know sell it, uh, or even in many cases people being able to go into the stores and and buy it. Uh, all, you know, although you know the book did well, it, it's a different you know commercial environment uh, that that's out oh, there sure. in. And and so uh, you know that was already kind of the picture when we get to the summer of. Um, of 2020, but already before then, I have seen uh, Picard, and uh, you know the 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 thing that I immediately liked the most was uh, you know Rios and La Serena and the holographic uh, characters, and uh, you know you you get uh, you know a certain amount of screen time for these things. Uh, but probably, you know, uh, you know, he and the ship and uh, the holograms, you know, maybe get like an hour 20 right. over the course yeah. of all the episodes <laughs> of the series. So, you know, you're, you're, you're left with quite a lot uh, of blanks that you could uh, fill in, quite a lot of canvas that, uh, that you can work with. Uh, and of course, we do find out his, his story. Um, but, you know, it, it, there's, there's just a lot that's there. And so, uh, you know, not that not that there are directions to go with the other characters, uh, but you know, if you if you've read some of my other, uh, you know, work, including uh, Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. uh, and then a uh, another book I did, the only book in my own universe, uh, which is called Overdraft, 
uh, you know, which is about, about a, a you know merchant a space merchant space trader. Uh, you know, that's that's a that's an area that I really uh, you know enjoy writing about. Uh, and you know, with Star Trek, um, you know, unless you're writing about uh, you know uh, 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 you know the, the the guy selling tribbles. Uh, you know, Jones, whatever his name is, uh, in in uh, you know the trouble with tribbles. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, you know traitor characters that you get. Yeah, uh, and 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 so, uh, but you know, Picard gives you this interesting uh, you know situation, which is we have uh, you know large swaths of the galaxy now where um, you know there there is no Federation protection. There is no. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, there probably was never a a situation where you know it was a a post scarcity society, if you want to call it that, in a lot of these places. Uh, you know that that requires a stable government like the Federation, a benevolent right. government like the Federation, uh, and you know an unlimited energy source to be able to do that, and then the technology, uh, and then and then the will. Um, but you know, we already had gotten. Um, in Picard, and then also in uh, in Una's book, uh, Last Best Hope, uh, we kind of got the predicate for um, you know everything basically you know on that Romulan Star Empire part of the the big map, and I'm I'm gesturing to the big map because I have I have both of the posters from uh, uh, the stellar cartography uh, oh, thing fantastic. on my wall. Yeah, and 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 I, I pay attention to the costly is actually never out of my view when I'm writing, uh, because I'm always thinking about, well, you know, this is a whole region where this prevails, and here it's lawlessness and want and refugee flight and fear and all of this is going on. So, you know, it's it's a, it's an area where uh you know the dynamics are gonna be completely different. And so, yeah, uh, you know, to, to go back to the beginning, when I was approached uh, about uh, doing uh, a Picard novel, I said, uh, preemptively, I said, I'll write Rios. And I really am only interested in writing Rios. And, um, uh, you know, Margaret Clark said, uh, you're in luck. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> what we, that is exactly what we we're going to ask you to do. Uh, and then when I, I spoke with Kirsten Beyer, uh, you know, one of the co-creators of the series, um, you know, it was it was, uh, you know, brought up uh, uh, by me that I really wanted to write a book that even though it was going to be you know set in this area that was going to be tumultuous. I said, I wanted this book to be fun. I wanted it to be the summer read. I mean, I wanted it to be. Uh, you know, an adventure that would sprawl, uh, that would go a lot of places, that would be an odyssey, uh, and uh, and and you know, the the previous two novels. I mean, Enterprise War was a military science fiction novel. Um, you know, rigidly timed because I had to you know lay it up against um, season one of Discovery. And, you know, there were some things that I just had to get in at certain spots, like uh, everything to do with the, uh, you know, the Red Angel. Right. Uh, and and then, of course, likewise with um, the uh, the Giorgio book, uh, Die Standing, there's only so much time that I had to work with. I had destination, you know, starting point and destination uh, were laid out. 
but also again, uh, this is this is a different kind of book. It's a spy novel. It's a very dark novel. And the one thing that Enterprise War and Die Standing had in common, besides the Discovery name uh, and the fact that Discovery does not appear in the book, uh, the, the one thing that they had in common was that the body count was huge. Uh, it was they, those were very. Uh, you know, very, uh, you know, very deadly books for a lot of the participants. Uh, but I wanted to do a book, as I said, where almost nobody dies. Uh, and you know, that's kind of where, uh, kind of where Picard went and uh, the uh, the uh, rogue elements went. Um, you know, some things that I decided early to you know, determine some decisions later on and and you know, I always knew uh, that it would be a thing where readers would not figure out what the book was about till probably about 40% of the way in. Um, you know, I uh, I have no patience for impatient readers, uh, <laughs> but we sort of we sort of let things develop. Right. Uh, and and, you know, we realize as we go on these travels, as we go on this odyssey, that um you know that uh, Rios has been in the middle of this adventure all along, uh, and he just doesn't know it yet. Right. And uh, and you know that's not that's not an easy thing to actually get down on the page in a plot. I hate the plotting stage, uh, but that was the feeling that I wanted the book to have. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think it, when you said that, it really made sense to me because. One of the things that I really liked about the book, and I think it it's because you're writing about Rios as a character who is kind of directionless and listless yeah. because of what's happened in his life. And therefore, yeah. the beginning of the book reflects that feeling. And yeah. you don't really feel like there is a purpose to a lot of what's happening. And like you said, about 40% of the book. And then everything yeah. starts to kind of play in. Yeah. and. But that's also when the character himself begins to move, begins yeah. to make a shift. And so I think yeah. you really nailed that in that feeling of like fun and frivolity that Star Trek can give us while at the yeah. same time giving us depth was yeah. perfect as well. Because in all honesty, I don't need more like ponderous tomes about how awful the world is, you know, and how awful everything is like the fact that this didn't have that um, is, I think, one of the reasons I responded myself to it. And so, yeah, I, I think you nailed well, exactly what you're going for. Um, you know, Federation lovers are not going to have a lot to like here, but <laughs> but because because that's what we are presented with. That's the that's the that's the uh, you know, the, the, that's the that's the that's the template that we've been given to work with in this part of the timeline. But, you know, one of the things that we've got, we've got a couple of very large non-governmental organizations that we create uh, that are in this book, the, uh, the you know, the Silvis Project and uh, the Interspecies uh, Medical Exchange. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, there are still people doing good things. And, you know, not everybody's motives are necessarily, uh, you know, completely pure. Um, but, uh, you know, you have... Uh, yeah, I think what is by the end uh, a happy ending for every single player. And I don't want to get too far into spoilers until whatever part of the broadcast we get to the spoilers. But yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, even our our villain, 
um, you know, gets a resolution that mm-hmm. uh, I think is, uh, yeah, if you if if you liked that character when he was on screen, you like where he's parked. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you like where he winds up. Yeah. No. I. I. I love that. And um, I guess we, probably a good idea, you know, talked kind of broadly about everything. We'll go ahead and let people yes. know spoilers here. We're going to yeah. dive deep now in, into the book. And and obviously one of the things that this book has is, and I love that you did this because it's my favorite Star Trek uh, TOS uh, episode, which is a piece of the action. So yeah. bringing in the Iotians here and yeah. kind of, I mean, it, obviously updating them to the point where they live in now the Picard universe, where they are at this point in the timeline, what their society is like. I would love to hear about what it was like to to try and make that work because it's not an easy thing to make work, you know, this this planet yeah. where everybody acts like a mobster. And and yeah, yeah. they know they're not alone anymore. So well, you know, it's one of those things where while Others had toyed with the Iotians before, you know, a, a, a character here or there uh, in in you know the other fiction. Nobody had ever really you know done a lot with them, um, you know, and also the comics. Nobody really did a lot with them, uh, and you know, it was uh, it it was never a really deep dive uh, into you know what would the cultural ramifications of the society be, um, you know what. What about them? Um, you know, it's 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 you know this is this is not the stereotypical cargo cult kind of a thing. Uh, it is something else in that this uh, species and must have been in some way predisposed to re- respond uh, to this particular stimuli, uh, a, 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 a stimuli that in this episode. That's I mean the other the other cool thing for me was. A piece of the action was literally aired the day I was born, and nice. I don't That's mean awesome. I don't mean on my birthday. I mean I was probably three hours old, and it's on NBC. Uh, so so Fizben and I same same day. Uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, so that's just a fun thing. But but no, I I I I, I tried to th- think about it and say, well well, what would have made them like this? And um. What would it be in that book that would have made them uh, see it as a better life? Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things is simply that, um, well, what, what's a hallmark of the 1920s? Uh, it is the period in uh, American history where crime goes from being um, diffuse uh, and decentralized uh, to organized and hierarchical, um, you know, in Chicago, you know, that's, that's what the, that's what the book is, uh, you know, describing, I mean, this, that's obviously, you know, in a prohibition, uh, you know, era Chicago, uh, in the Chicago book. Uh, and then I, I get further into the, into a, you know, another notion, which is, um, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the real people that I quote in the book, right at the very beginning, uh, is Lucky Luciano. Uh, and in preparing for this book, I read uh, a book about, actually, uh, two books. Uh, uh, no, it's just, it's, it's, well, one book, but it's a book within a book <laughs> about about Luciano. Uh, and 
uh, it's just horrifying. Uh, the 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 lives that uh, the people in uh, you know his organization led, and and uh, you know that, that particularly the women um, that surrounded uh, you know that lifestyle, uh, you know it, the, between between just all of uh, the ways they had to victimize people, including members right. of their own regime. Uh, it, it was just, uh, you know, this is, this is not something people should be cosplaying necessarily, right. uh, <laughs> but, but the fact is, um, you know, because of the untouchables, uh, you know, another Desilu show, which is of course why they had that episode anyway, because they had all the, they, yep. had, all, they had all the, you know, the props left over, uh, you know, and, and of course, you know, our our love affair uh, culturally with with that uh you know with you know that's you know, with with organized crime uh you know be it uh, from the godfather movies or or you know on up to goodfellas things still gets you know things will as 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 time goes on you know our movies get more realistic things get seamier uh but at the same time uh you know it 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 still uh is you know, glorified in some way, shape, or form, and and so uh, you know, I had I had Spock actually, you know, is in this book in in a uh, in a in a quote where he said that this this book glorified as it codified um, the book that they got. It it both gave them a Magna Carta, so to speak, uh, a way of organizing what had previously been a a you know colossal mess of a society. Uh, and it also gave them, uh, you know, a uniform and marching orders and ranks. And, um, you know, if we can accept that um, other um, civilizations or rather other species can quickly adopt and be integrated into Starfleet, for example, the Federation of Starfleet, then we have to accept that. Yeah, if you've got the right kind of book, uh, <laughs> we never really see what's in the book. We see like a page or two. Uh, but if you've got the right kind of book, you, you, you've got something you could possibly build a society around. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the deep thought part of it. Obviously, the fun part of it was uh, it gave me the road to creating uh, the character Ledger, uh, who is probably, you know, Right up in the top three or four of my favorite original characters that I've created because I uh, I, I write a good capitalist uh, in in terms of uh, you know Griff in Nice Theater Republic or uh, uh, Jamie Sturm in Overdraft or uh, or her here and uh, and you know I just really wanted to have somebody who just by definition would get under Rios's skin mm-hmm. uh, while at the same time, not giving much of a darn what happens to him uh, because, uh, you know, she is, uh, she is, as we have, you know, as we see here, she's exiled. Yeah. I really, uh, her as a character was so fascinating. And, and part of that was because, you know, she's, very similar to some other characters that we know, obviously um, she's kind of similar in some ways, but I think um, a more friendly version somehow of Vash, which like maybe because she's not pretending 
as much. Like, she doesn't really care about Rios for a lot of the book, and then they start to learn to care about each other, yeah. but they don't want each other to know it, you know? So, well, the uh, the the Ioceans are shown to be very surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they don't hide their feelings. Uh, they are they are. It, it, we see that in the TV episode. Uh, you know, they are, are, they are simple enough, some of them that they can be tricked by Fizzbin, mm-hmm. uh, but they are also, you know, uh, quick to every emotion you can imagine. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it just, it struck me that, um, you know, she is herself, uh, you know, constrained by the rules of her chunk of the society uh, and, and the expectations of it. And she's already straining against it when the book begins. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's already trying to make her own, uh, you know, little mini empire. Um, it's it's it, it it was it was very interesting following Die Standing with this because you know uh, Giorgio comes from a mirror universe where the 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 uh, the rewards and the costs and everything the expectations in the society, you are expected to rise. You are expected to c- take control. Well, this is the same sort of thing, but, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the people that they're um, emulating, at least in, you know, what we come to find out is a sanitized version of, of, you know, Chicago mobs uh, are not cheerless. Um, right. there are, there are joys in it. Um, one of my disappointments about, uh, you know, uh, I, I just came from, you know, planet comic-con Kansas city, uh, and somebody who had to cancel was Paul Sorvino. Uh, and of course he's in gut, he's in Goodfellas. And, you know, one of the great moments in that movie is, um, you know, all the characters in prison, you know, cooking dinner, uh, for each other. Uh, and, and it's clear that this, is the social highlight of, of, of the cell block uh, and, and of their lives. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a hedonism that's involved in all of this, whether it's listening to Sinatra or going to clubs or, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the musician that's in the Godfather, there's, there's, there's always, you know, it's, it's, it's not, they're they're not just the Sith. Uh, they're not just um, the Terrans who are just all about we're going to crush you, uh, and and that's going to be us. Uh, we're, that, that's going to be victory for us. Um, you know they they are trying uh, in some sense to 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 live the high life at the same time. Uh, and so you know when we uh, when we cross paths again with Ledger and and uh, and. Uh, you know, after our initial meeting, you know, she's on her way to a vacation, uh, <laughs> and, and it's clear that she's got all the clothes anybody would ever want, and and it's clear that uh, you know she's going to Riza, and uh, you know, it's 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 clear that she's not a robot in her society, uh, but it's also clear that she is not as. Um, you know, ingrained in that society and is not as as uh, you know ruined by it uh, as Boss Arco is. Right, and you know, and Boss Arco, in my mind, Boss Arco is uh, is literally uh, you know the woman that's on um, uh, that's that's on Boss Oxmix's desk. 
mm-hmm. in the in the red dress. She says, "I'll never, I'll never wear the red dress again." Uh, and and again, she is, uh, you know, she is basically the end result of her society. If you've been in it for a hundred years, and um, and continued to live the the mob life, as opposed to we do leave room. Uh, if you're still back on Iosha, Sigma Iosha too, um, we do leave room for the idea that Kirk's vision worked, and we and, and that that's a more peaceful society. But there had to be uh, emigres. There had to be people struck out on their own, uh, and as soon as they had the ability to, and that's what she's part of. Well, and I think one of the things that really makes that work is that. We have an idea that that still exists in the Star Trek world because of the Ferengi, right? Because yeah. they're very much a part of that type of system. And yeah. so it was it was interesting to have that juxtaposition of, especially yeah. with Ledger, who is trying to kind of break out of the mold a little bit and yet still follow some of the same rules, but do it her way. And, yeah. and that reminded me very much of the what we see with, you know, the female Ferengi who are trying to earn profit and break out. They, yeah. they want to follow the Ferengi mold, but they also want to break it at the same time yeah. and kind of make a new mold. And so I, I think that's one of the things that really made that work because it mirrors that in a different part of the universe with different characters. And, and of course, you know, the Ferengi were always a good um ability for us to be able to kind of see ourselves in it much more easily yeah and so it it just it allows that to happen and that's you know great star trek writing because it's always been about trying to help us see ourselves and the good the bad and the ugly and so yeah ledger was such a fantastic character and in the end i mean like i think with playing with the ioceans being where you were in the book i really love this idea that we were on we are we're on the final frontier, you know, yeah. where the Federation doesn't exist. And, yeah. you know, we're basically kind of in that intersection, like where Deep Space Nine was back in the day where things aren't all hunky dory, you know, like yeah. there's very little law and order, you know, people are making up. This is like the Wild West again. And I think yeah. that really, really made this so much fun because you don't have that ever presence of like Starfleet and all that stuff to kind of get in yeah. the way of quote unquote, the fun stuff happening. That's, that's true. Uh, I mean, I, I, I do try to say, you know, there is the bad stuff. I yep. mean, yep. You know, as, as we're experiencing now, um, eventually the army leaves. Um, eventually uh, uh, there is a power vacuum, uh, you know, whenever there's a, a shift in power, and so, uh, you know, unless you have, uh, you know, a, a, a situation where, you know, there's, there's a Marshall plan for this part of the galaxy, uh, that's going to rebuild everything. Well, the, you know, the point of last best hope, uh, the point of Picard is, uh, is there isn't the Federation has failed, uh, in its mission. And, and I think Una does a, a good job of laying out uh, you know, a lot of the reasons why this went the way it did. And so again, it just was a matter for me of looking at the map. And and if you and anybody who wants to uh you know follow along this book on the map can sit there and say, okay, these are places that were just behind the neutral zone on our side, uh, where um they're not Federation you know planets. 
but uh, they're they're they've benefited from us being around. Uh, they benefited from frequent, you know, Starfleet uh, visits. Um, and then there are places that didn't, uh, like the planet that it starts on and, and the references that, you know, it it probably hasn't seen a visit from Starfleet since, uh, since Jonathan Archer was there. And of right. course, that's where yeah. we saw the yeah. planet to begin with. There are so many callbacks in this book, and I guess we're going to get way into spoilers at that point. But yep. there are so many callbacks uh, in this. Yeah, no, there totally are. And that's, I mean, so I, I definitely want to get there. But the thing about yeah. this book that I, I was really struck by, John, was your writing Rios and this man who is shattered, who is broken, who is, who has, because, yeah. and, and in many ways, this, this theme plays out on a bunch of different layers throughout the book and you keep doing it and it, it works perfectly yeah. because He's a man who has had his foundation pulled out from under him, you know, and in that tragedy is about his atonement. It's about his finding a way forward. Like, how do you rebuild yeah. when everything you had built your life on, you feel like has turned out to be a lie? And we see that with Rios. We see that obviously in Picard with what happened with the Federation itself kind of doing that. Um, we see that with the way in which um, the, the the major mystery that ends up in the, the end of the book, like all of these different characters are dealing with a foundation having crumbled and then yeah. what do we put our faith in and which is where you came in with and I loved using the idea of the Abraham story of you know is the sacrifice worth it like you know and what yeah. am I put so all of that really really works well you know it's great when a plan comes together like uh, Hannibal Smith says uh, again it a lot of this stuff is just found uh, you you realize oh that that rhymes uh, this, uh, this, this, uh, this thing that he's going through feels like this other thing that somebody else is going through, uh, or this other thing in a story, you know, but because we're, we're happy to establish that he, you know, was not originally a reader of philosophy, but he learns to, as this book goes on and we, we, we come up with a mechanism for exposing him to it and a reason for going into it. Uh, and we even make Jean-Luc Picard's book the very first book he reads, uh, you know, and 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 we also make, you know, we make sure he hates it. Uh, <laughs> we, and of course, that's a book that and we knew he had the book because he mentions it in the TV show. Uh, but uh, but again, you know, as far as him, you know, on his path, one of the challenges I had was that, um, you know, he can't resolve it in this book. Um, he doesn't get closure uh, mm -hmm. until the TV show. Uh, he just has to get to a part, a point where he doesn't hate himself mm -hmm. uh, every second. And you know, we don't necessarily get the don't necessarily get the idea that you know where he's landed here at the end is necessarily going to stick um, because you know once life gets in the way again um you know and and there are you know five six seven more years or seven more years between the end of six more years between the end of my book and the show 
you know that that's a lot of time for things to go go wrong again. Uh, but uh, but no, the the, the idea was um, well, one of the interesting things is um, this is the first novel length book that I have done, where with the exception of the prologues uh, and the the uh, the excerpts, the, the 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 excerpts that I did one for each section of the of the books, um, which is a device I can talk about later. Um, Rios is the only point of view character. Uh, and that I almost never, ever do. In fact, I have never done it for a book as long, as I say. It's all Rios um, until the end where, you know, we have some, we have a couple of epilogues that I wanted to do where it really just could not be in his mind. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this makes this much more of a personal journey and it keeps us in his head the entire time. Well, and I, I really love that because like you said too, you know, for so much of the, like a good, you know, 40% of the book, we are kind of ambling, it feels like. And part of that really yeah. has to do with where Rios is. And it's not, there's a couple of things that really stuck with me and, and they kind of happen a little bit more towards the end of the book where the Klingons in, in Stovacor, the, the holographic program, tell him to do a great deed. And yes. the moment where Rio starts to get himself busy, where he starts, yeah. he stops wallowing and starts yep. focusing on something else is when his yep. life begins to get better. And I love when he tells Rafi, you know, that he's, he's just been too busy, you know, yeah. to, to, to basically wallow. And, and you can see the, 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 I love how you kind of point out exactly what's wrong with Rafi and what yeah. is helping Rios to maybe find a path that could get him towards being in a better place one day, which, you know, the show yeah. will then help us see him kind of really take that step finally. But, yeah. you know, it also reminded me, you we can't recover from massive disasters in our lives on our own. We need help. Yeah. And whether that's individuals or nation states, and again, that's where that theme plays out, like, Rios finds this help by getting himself thrown into this adventure that he had no plans for. And the same way that the Romulans, they couldn't do it all on their own. Yeah. And then the Federation leaves them and, and, and it turns into a disaster, you know? So it's like, there is this really nice illusion throughout all of these different thematic elements coming together. And I I thought it was really beautiful um, because so many of us, I, I think, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, writing this book and thinking about COVID and everything. And so many of our lives have kind of like felt like yeah. they've fallen apart. How do we put them all back together? And watching a character do that in a way that, again, was not ponderous, but was fun, yeah. but still made us think, I think, is exactly the type of book we needed. Well, the, uh, you know, one of the one of the things about the Picard show is the big three characters in it. um, to my mind, uh, you get, well, actually four, if you, if you, if you count, uh, uh, if, if you count Soji, um, everybody's life is already ruined by the time the show starts. Uh, Picard's life is already ruined. Uh, although it's really lovely where he lives. He, uh, he's already lost most of what he loves. Uh, Rios, Rafi, uh, in, in both cases, uh, their, their lives are, are, 
have gone to a new chapter that is not what they want. Uh, and so, you know, I wanted to be careful with, uh, with uh, Rafi in particular that she was not, you know, always, um, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, mother confessor, you know, wise sage all the time. She had to be a mess too. Um, they had to be, you know, they had to show why they connected, uh, which is their, to a degree, they're, um, you know, helping each other just survive. Uh, and then I had to come up with a way to get Picard in because I was not going to let this book. Um, yeah, perhaps the, 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 the silliest comment that I keep getting is that doesn't look like Brown Luke Picard. Uh, when people see the book on the, on the stand and I'm like, yeah, you just haven't seen the show. Uh, but, but yeah, Picard's in the book. I needed Picard to be in the book and I needed to be, him to be in the book a lot of places. He's a lot of places in the book, um, where, um, you know, he has an impact on things for, because of things he did in the past, people whose lives he touched in the past. Uh, and then finally he does give us, um, you know, the, he, he, he gives, uh, us the the uh, you know the clue that helps to unwrap the mystery without knowing yeah. it. No man. I, so before we leave Rios, we have to talk about you kind of creating how he creates the holographic doppelgangers for himself, which <laughs> I love that it's completely a drunken mistake. Like nothing yeah. worse than waking up to the worst one night stand decision you've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the question I had in the beginning is, is, you know, what kind of starship has all this stuff on it? Um, what kind of starship has, uh, you know, a holodeck? Well, I decided to make one reason for that. Uh, what kind of starship has the ability to make these other crew members? And I came up with a rationale for that, which is, it's basically, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, not easy to f find good help. Uh, and it's true. Uh, yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, what would you do if you had the ability to, uh, you know, holographically project, uh, you know, characters that could carry things and, and interact with their environment. And then what would their relationships with one another be? Because, um, you know, I, I did create the notion that there's this distinction uh, between how holodeck characters interact with each other on the holodeck um you know sort of um you know they're 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 not moriarty's they're all sort of uh you know within the program uh and then how uh these uh you know emh etc 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 uh would interact uh in these other places because they're going to act more like the doctor in voyager yes uh where they have uh you know a bit more of an inner life but then i needed to get into well would they talk to one another would they would they uh, share information or would the information be siloed? Um, and I, I decided, you know, let's, let's do something where we silo the information to a degree because we see that as the case in Picard where they're all together in that intervention scene, trying to piece together bits of, of Rios's past. Uh, you know, it's just not necessary for them to talk to one another. Uh, and, you know, then it was a matter of, well, can I actually figure out ways to 
you know, make this this cub alive uh, elsewhere in the plot, and you know, under the heading of of you know, sort of you know found you know found uh, found rhymes or found uh, you know uh, parallels. You know, this feeling that he's got while he's putting together or putting back together um, the Tucker, the car, um, uh, the car, which is already um, a a for those people. And again, this is one of those things that I touch on. But if you've watched Tucker, a man in his dream, you know that the Tucker was a stillborn thing. You know that the car was. Uh, you know, you know, crushed by uh, the powers that be, uh, and that uh, you know the, the and that the creator was run out of the business. Uh, but uh, you, you know, one of the one of the things that comes up as he's putting it together is he's he's realizing, you know, what um, back then, uh, no two systems on this car really talked to one another. Oh, uh, this is before fuel computers. This is before. Uh, this is before anything that we're starting to get with cars that are getting smarter now uh, that, you know, are able to say, Hey, slow down. Here's the environment. Here's what our tires are telling us. Here's what this is telling us. Um, I wanted that kind of dynamic going on with the, uh, with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the EMHs uh, or the, uh, or the EHs, the, 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 uh, the holograms. Uh, and, uh, and then as far as you know, the device for making them all the way they were, um, you know, we do kind of hear him, you know, riffing in some other, you know, fake accent voices just on his own when he's alone. Uh, and so it's not a big leap to think that he would, uh, you know, on a drunken bender, go and yes. go whole hog on this. That was great. I mean, that it was such a fantastic idea because it's not on purpose. You know, like you said, it is a it is a drunken mistake that he makes. And then. He's just like, eh, it's too much trouble to undo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I should say it was also, it was Kirsten's idea um, that I not bring them all on. And this is very, very early. Uh, she said, let, she said, let's not bring them all on at once. Let's, let's bring them on kind of in the order that we see them in the show. But let's, let's really drag it out um, where, you know, I almost, it's almost one for, for section in the book. Uh, but, uh, but the idea would, the idea I realized was, you know, once he realizes they're there, he's going to do everything in his power not to activate them. Which I love too. I love too. Yeah. Which in, in some ways kind of plays with that like stereotype of a guy just not wanting to ask for directions or ask for help. And that's kind of where Rios is in his life anyway. He doesn't want to ask for help from anyone. And so just to make it that funny thing of that. One, there are these doppelgangers for him now, so it's even more annoying. Uh, and two, yeah, he he's not in a place where he's looking to ask for help from anyone. It was it yeah. worked out so perfectly. Now, you've done a lot of work with uh, Klingons over the years. Obviously, you had the Prey trilogy. Yeah. And I was not expecting you to tie into uh, a, a, my favorite Star Trek film. And you had all yeah. of these undiscovered connections with Star Trek Six. No pun intended. Exactly. No pun intended. And I guess I guess we're in the uh, we're in the we're in the uh, spoilers part. Absolutely of this. spoiler here, but like I wanted you to talk about where you got that idea and weaving that all together because it turned out to be 
I just I gotta say it was brilliant, man. It was brilliant. Well, I mean, we were able to actually give a dead character closure when we've never met him. Uh, it, 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 it this ship is the manifestation of uh Varengan's life, and that's the way I pronounce it, even though uh, in the audiobook, um, uh, which is wonderful, by the way. Uh, Robert Petkoff gets the actual real Klingon pronunciation of that word correct, uh, Verengan or something like that. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, the 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 idea was that this guy right in his name is, uh, you know, he's, he's a schmuck. I mean, he's 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 somebody that was cast out. Uh, he's just been living on uh, the edge of everything. And I. I did not want, because I had done Prey, um, you know, I did not want uh, to um, get heavy into discommendation because that was a big theme of that trilogy. Uh, and so that's just kind of assumed. Uh, you you assume that he's he's a he's a non-entity. Uh, and and as he gets into um, you know, as as Rios discovers the bar, the tavern, uh, and and realizes that that these are the only friends that this man had, uh, besides in real life, these two Ferengi who are also kind of against type because we realize by the time it's over uh, that even though one of them is from um, you know the uh, the Captain's Holiday episode, that's uh, that's. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, it, even though one of them is is from that, uh, we realize that you know, they're not necessarily the bad guys here, um, and they just they just were asking, or you know, or or they were putting Varengan into into a position where he was going to have to make money on something shameful, um, something he inherited from his father. Uh, something that he uh, didn't realize exactly. You know, I, I I presume that he didn't know what was inside the thing until the two Ferengi cracked it open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he realized, oh, this is an artifact of of uh, of his father's uh, uh, general uh, of uh, of Chang. Uh, and and, you know, that that was something where I wanted him to sort of create this world around him of sort of this, this Potemkin village of, of Klingons uh, where they're not, where nobody's real. Uh, and, and everybody is, is basically they're, they're based on what the computer knows about Gorkon and Kalis and all of these characters. But also since he's been interacting with it, they've developed as holographic characters develop they have their own opinions of him by now. They have their own notions of him by now, uh, and and so uh, we get we get in Kalis in particular, who we we understand he shared the most with. You know, Kalis understands. You know, yeah, this is I I I know I'm a holographic character. I I know he has created me uh, to be his confessor, basically. Uh, I know he has created this place to pretend that he is somebody. Um, and, and you know what? That's okay. Um, he even tells Rios that he says, you know, uh, I, I see, I see that we have, this is a, this is someone who never did anyone ill. Uh, 
Uh, this is somebody who never hurt anybody. And if this is what he needed us for, even though we're programmed to think as Klingons, um, you know, I, we're okay with that. Um, I wonder if you caught the uh, the prey reference. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, there is one. There's a big one. There oh is. Um... There were so many connections that you're talking about in the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um. Cover yours, folks, if you want to try to find out okay. what it is, or skip a, skip 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 two minutes if you want to find it on your own. But uh, one of the Klingons that uh, that Gorkon introduces to Rios is a very young Klingon who, at the age of twenty, uh, leapt in front of a, a, a disruptor beam to save his commanding officer. Yes, yes, and so and so he is the example of a Klingon who never found you know any you know, you know fame like the others did but uh was famous or was was his life was considered valuable valuable enough that Varengan would know to program him later mm-hmm. on uh, uh uh because of what he did and that is a, that is a guy named Torav That's, Torav has yes. a, Tor, mm-hmm. Torav has a son who never amounted to anything or actually who, who came to a bad end rather uh Gorkon tells us and of course, uh, that son is Korg. Mm, yes. Yeah. And, no, that is, gosh, and that is the right. And that is the main character from Prey. And you know, I don't care what happens in Coda. It's there. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It's fantastic. Um, so, and it made sense to be there because, mm-hmm. again, you know, it for me, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a. Uh, it, it wasn't just a. Uh, it wasn't just a a callback kind of thing. It was again, uh, this is a, this is a discommendation and fathers and sons are all through this. And the only thing that I wish I could have done is we don't know anything about Rios's father. And so there was mm-hmm. nothing to do there. Yeah. I mean, the, the connection there I thought was really interesting. Like you talked about this idea of them kind of being confessors, you know, and obviously Rio spends so much time in, in the book reading philosophy and, you know, kind of gets yeah. into the metaphysical and everything of, of trying to find that. And I loved how you, in many ways, kind of mirror parch with Rios in the sense that yeah. they thought that they were doing something good. They thought they were a part of something good. And it turns completely against them and shatters their world. And yep. I loved you kind of bringing her in because one phenomenally just well rounded character in that sense of creating this mystery we're after, but two, her creations, the, the actualities are amazing as well. Yeah. And so talk a little bit of kind of like bringing her into the story and, the way that she connects then with the, you know, the behind the scenes yeah. of, you know, Star Trek six, you know, there's always the, uh, the, uh, the MacGuffin. And I, I wanted a MacGuffin, you know, the thing that everybody was after um, that, you know, I didn't, I didn't want something that was named in the beginning that everybody was going to be chasing and whatever. And I didn't want to oversell it. Uh, in the beginning, I wanted to undersell it in the beginning where you thought it was nothing all along. And suddenly you see Chang and you drop the book. 
uh, is kind of how I wanted people to to feel about it. And I wanted to craft around because I started with that moment, and then I worked in either direction and said, okay, what 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 must an artist who crafted something like this have gone through in her life that she would not see in him uh, a villain that she would not see in him uh, a, an operator. I mean, she, she, she might see in him a villain, but she doesn't see the immorality in brokering anything for him. Uh, she actually thinks she's doing the right thing uh, uh, because Again, she's sort of in this very rarefied air of artistic society. It's very clear she's got enormous sums of money uh, and resources, uh, and her brother as well. Uh, and and you know this uh, you know tied in with what I wanted from the Marquesa uh, and the Duke, uh, which is you know I knew that that was going to be her family. Uh, I knew that I wanted to have sort of this triad of, of uh, that's maybe not the right word, this trio of female characters uh, that that Rios is bouncing between. Um, and, and, you know, almost literally so conversationally when I put them all at the same table together uh, in, in the professor uh, and the princess, uh, the Marquesa uh, and, uh, and the gangster. Uh, in in uh, Ledger, uh, and yeah, I wanted uh, I wanted this character to uh, you know come to life through the legend that we built up over the book, and probably you know we're still not sure when by the time we get there, you know why I've been talking about parts so much, why we've been making such a big deal about the actualities, but we at least by now have seen why people care about the actualities because we've seen to pal uh and and that is another case where that should be a moment uh where even if you think that things have been you know developing slowly you've got to go oh wait this book might actually be about a lot bigger events than what's here uh, and so yeah i mean i mean you've got You've got huge things going on in the middle of what I think a lot of people, and I think one review even, uh, I don't read reviews generally, but my wife will tell me about them. You know, one describes it as, you know, this is, this is kind of, this is kind of a, a fun, uh, you know, one of the comedic episodes, like a piece of the action. There's heavier stuff in here. And she is part of that through line. Um, And, and she was necessary to make, um, you know, this one relationship, I wanted Rios to have this one relationship where, um, you know, it, it would, it would be uh, typical, I think, of a lot of relationships. We, you know, we, we sort of understand about Rios that uh, if he doesn't have, a, you know, a girl on every port, uh, he has a wide variety of uh, lives that he has touched for, you know, a night or, or, or longer uh, and I, I wanted uh, you know, to give her uh, something there, and uh, and and then of course it all wraps into our villain from the book. And I have been so careful not to reveal his presence. Uh, I discussed it with everybody involved in the book, and everyone said, once again, 
do not tell anyone that uh, spoiler city again that that uh, you know Kivas Fajo or Fajo is in the book um, because he's not been used, and uh, I'm an obsessive collector of things. You know, Picard describes obsessions in his in his uh, in his book that he does. I wanted to really seriously dive into what would make him work in this society as a free person, uh, as somebody who's on the loose again uh, and respectable. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, one thing that we know was going on in the world during the pandemic is people were selling everything that wasn't nailed down. Um, you know, I've got comic books that I literally you know, signed at my last event in, uh, in Virginia, uh, in Richmond in, you know, on, on March 1st, 2020, uh, that were encased in plastic and sold for thousands of dollars before the end of the year. Uh, those comics, you know, are in my own collection, uh, uh of books that I was taking places myself, you know, $3, $4, $5. I was asking for these things, you know, this weekend at Kansas city, Various issues of my comics, you know, going for, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 dollars in ungraded condition. And again, just random issues of the books. Uh, and it was because the economy of the pandemic made physical things worth more uh, and 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 gave people a lot of time also to, to buy, sell and trade things. And so, I, you know, I I. Uh, okay, I worked for the world's largest collectibles publisher, a uh, collect uh, hobby collectible publisher uh, in in the country for uh, for in the world actually for 13 years. Uh, that was Krause Publications. We did you know Comics Buyer's Guide, which I worked on, Comics Retailer, which I edited, uh, Scry the Card Game Magazine, which I edited. But we also had a toy magazine, an old car magazine, an antique magazine. Uh, 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 even a military vehicle magazine, everything you could imagine to collect. Uh, we had Antiques Roadshow. The idea of those things, the idea of uh, you know, you can you can find in your attic uh, uh, something, a fortune that might be hiding there. Uh, and then another thing that we saw constantly in that life uh, is that people would bring to our own antique days, which we would call what's it days. They would bring. Batman number two, and we would tell them and identify them and give them everything they needed to connect that valuable thing with somebody who could take care of it and value it and protect it. And all the time we would see these things go back into people's treasure troves or not the treasure troves, but rather their attics or their, or their closets only to go in estate sales for pennies on the dollar. Um, or to just be dumped when people needed something. Uh, and you know, it just, it, it was something that I, I mean, this is a whole weird, you know, subplot that's in here, but, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to talk a bit about, you know, this, uh, yes, this fetishization of items, uh, that, that we have anyway. And of course, books are a big, big part of it. Books as collectibles, books as keepsakes, books as things touching people's lives, uh, and and that's why I, I had this device in in the uh, in the in the uh, in the book where I just let the book speak. 
um, in in the case of uh, the uh, you know the 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 treatise about um, uh, the the Iotians, which is by the way by the guy that got shot in the original uh, <laughs> in the original holodeck mobster episode uh, uh, by by Whalen. Uh, he wrote that book, but, but also, you know, it allows me to get some exposition into some places, uh, that, you know, also sort of, you know, gives you, um, you know, this feeling that this is kind of a book about books. And by the time, by the time we hit, by the time we hit Dixon Hill, I hope people have understood what I'm trying to do. One of the, I mean, I, I'm really glad that you brought us there because I loved you talking about physical media and its importance. And, yeah. you know, I, I loved, you know, how the, the talk about, you know, you got electronic media is fine, but what happens when you got to find a new reader to figure out how, you know, to, to look at it. Whereas a book you can pick up and read anytime. And, and, and it's something that, um, myself, you know, even just when it comes to physical media for media, like, DVDs or what kind of thing. I, I'm 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 more into collecting those because you always have them. You can't be taken away from a streaming place and all that kind of stuff. But the beauty of this to me was just the importance of not throwing away thinkers and writers and poets of the past. Yeah. That these people yeah. can still speak into our lives and that so much can be learned from books and from stories of the past. Um and just because it's old doesn't mean that it doesn't matter and or have something to say to our lives today. And to me, I was really appreciative that you went there in this book. Well, I mean, as to the as to the physical media part of that, um, you know, I, I, I told you I work for that collectible publisher. Uh, I've been running for, I guess, now 14 years, so longer than I was at the company. I run a website called Comicron. Uh, which uh, is all the sales figures for the comics industry uh, and uh, going back way, way back. And one of the things that I've always I said, you know, people are always talking about, you know, the third disruption of the industry or the fourth disruption or, or whatever that's going on in comics. And I say nonsense always because the comic books are still there, no matter whatever happens. If comic books stop being published tomorrow, there are over 10 billion of them in circulation and you use the same technology to read them now as you did in 1935 when they, they first appeared. Uh, yeah, there is no format drift with, uh, with comic books. There is no format drift with physical books. Um, you know, as long as, you know, they exist and as long as, as nothing comes along to eat all the paper or make all the ink fade, um, you know, they're going to be there and and they offer something beyond uh, just the content because um, there's something tactile there. Uh, you know, there's something you can smell in the case of some books. Uh, and and these things trigger memories in many cases. Uh, and and, you know, in, in a sense, it's a it's a it's a it's a memory aid. I mean, I can pick up a comic book, look at the cover and I can tell you usually where I bought it. And what I was doing, and what I had for dinner that night. Uh, now that's that that's 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 obsessive compulsive, but but I mean that that is there. Um, but but yeah, I mean in terms of in terms of um, 
you know that, that this is this is this is this is something that survives. Um, I wanted to show that that there would be something that would survive the Romulan, you know, supernova. There would be something that would survive these other people's lives. And you know, in the case of the Shakespeare Folio, um, you know, which is which is you know, I, I would I actually looked up the real book. To find out what what page numbers <laughs> you know the the, you know, the the Burnham Wood would be on, um, and and you know I that one copy of this thing would survive to unlock the door to everything else that was in the uh, it was in the uh, story, um, you know it's 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 it, 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 I I again. Um, I'm amazed I was able to land this thing uh, in a place that I liked. Uh, I will say, though, also, there is a reason that this is the longest book I've ever written. Uh, you know, I, I went I went probably 30,000 words more than, than I had intended to uh, because I knew by then I needed to do it. Uh, and I knew uh, there were moments that I needed to have. Uh, and some things I only realized very, very late in the game. Um, the last conversation that Rios has with the Marquesa is the last thing I wrote in the book because I realized, oh, wait, I just realized what she did. <laughs> I, just, I just realized, you know, I, I just realized why she, what she was afraid of, uh, what was the thing that, that terrified her. And that did not come about until I got to the end and I realized Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, she would be very, very concerned that, uh, that, you know, Praxis, uh, has, uh, was, was caused and, yeah. um, yeah. And she would be very concerned. So this wasn't just about, you know, a small embarrassment. This was going to be about a big embarrassment. Uh, and that, that, that resolved everything else. And you know, I, I, I enjoyed having some characters, not totally, you know, uh, uh, you know the 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 Claggett character who is, um, uh, you know, her uh, her enforcer. Um, you know, uh, Rios is able to realize even at the end uh, that uh, that yeah, that guy is a jerk, uh, but he still was Starfleet. And he will still respond in certain ways to being asked certain things, even if he's being told to do a bad thing. He will do the bad thing in a Starfleet way, and so <laughs> that is uh, that is that is that is it. I, I again, I just enjoyed the heck out of um, you know bringing all these pieces back together, uh, which is a weird thing to say in a book about mm -hmm. you know a a a logic puzzle. And um, I was also really delighted that margaret clark and ed schlesinger and and simon and schuster were able to make uh the graphic design of the chapters happen and i yeah, don't know whether great. it's that way that yeah that i don't know whether it's that way in the e, in the ebook or not you know it's something that's kind of lost in the audiobook because there's just no way to do it uh but you know i spent an inordinate amount of time working out that i have always uh, you know, it takes too much time, but I've always tried to have some kind of a word game going or, or, or a game going in my section titles. Uh, and, you know, people will notice if they go back um, that the section titles all also relate 
to the uh, to the uh, to the elements of the Wuching, uh, if that's how it's pronounced, uh, 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 in the correct order that Rios that's has awesome. to have it. <laughs> one of the one of the things that you did do when it came to like this idea of the media and the past and all those things, and especially with you know what what we were seeing with the Romulans and the destruction of their empire and like it, it really brought to the question of like, you know, what is it that's important to hold on to from the past and what's, yeah. what's, what should we let go of and, or yeah. what should we maybe cover up sometimes? Because sometimes maybe a cover up is actually the best thing to have happen yeah. for certain things. I thought that was a really interesting question because we were dealing with in a subtle way, what had happened with the Romulan people and I, uh, yep. and, and kind of talking about this and all these things that are showing up and why people are selling them and, and, and you know, how things last, uh, that are physical and, and keep, you know, getting bought and sold. That was really yeah. fascinating to me. Well, I, I wanted to put Rios in the position of kind of what's one more cover up. Uh, <laughs> he's already had to deal with one. Uh, and, and I wanted him to kind of, you know, have, have this position of, uh, well, well, maybe this one is for a good reason. And right. it's not able, it's not able to get him to any peace whatsoever about the one he was involved with. Um, but you know, I, he, he has, you know, I did, I did give him that choice in the book of, you know, he could, he could, uh, he could make it, he, he could maybe make it all go away. Um, if he's willing to give up Ledger, and mm-hmm. and I will say, my favorite moment of the book uh, is is you know what she's rescued, and they have the conversation about why he did it, right. and yeah. and and she says, um, well, you did it to save the treasure, and he's like, well, no, don't. Why do why do you always go there? And she's like, well, if it wasn't to save the treasure, and it was to save me. That takes us into territory that you are not ready yeah. for because yep. she's together. He's still a mess. Yep. Uh, and he's made some growth in this book, but it's not clear it's going to stick. Uh, and likewise for the galaxy um, and, and you know, the, the this region uh, that, that has been, you know, wrecked so badly, uh, you know, there, there are good things happening with the Silvis project and 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 other things. Uh, it's just not clear they're going to stick. Right. Yeah. That was that was really good. I loved that conversation they had, and it really made me hope that she shows up in the Picard show someday because I loved their relationship, and I'd like to see it continue. Um, one thing we have to talk about, obviously, before I let you go, is there are further connections in this book in the sense that Vosh is in the book. Kivas is in the book. We got Marta in the book. Um, you know, yeah. you have all these other connections here of of people that we know and are turn out to be really important in the story. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't want them overpowering it. Um, you know, I I didn't even know that I would get away with Vosh, uh, but it 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 just it just it made so much sense. Uh, what do you do after you've uh, been around the world with uh, with Q, uh, or been around the the universe and the timeline. Uh, if she's gonna be who she is, she's still gonna chase things. 
but she's going to have to chase things that she deliberately hid from herself. Mm-hmm. She's going to have to chase things that she deliberately did not go find the Holy grails that were almost too important for her to, you know, rip open the, the package and, and see, uh, and, uh, because she had to leave herself something. Um, and so, so they are the unopened book on her shelf. Uh, and, and they are what she's still after. And, you know, uh, it, it, it incidentally, I, I made a point that she would not meet Parch, uh, in the book. Uh, you know, I had thought about bringing, you know, a gang's all here moment. And I decided, no, I would rather have her be the person behind the scenes who is, you know, there at the end. Uh, and, uh, and, and of course, you know, Rios doesn't have a single crew person, uh, you know, on, on his, uh, on his, uh, on, on his crew that doesn't have some kind of a secret or another that doesn't get him into some kind of trouble. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really wanted, um, you know, her to, uh, you know, you can, you can, you can, I, I, I defy anybody to, guess that Chang is in this book before mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh although I've although I've kind of I've kind of led up to prepping you for it with the Klingon stuff. Um Vash, you can tell she's there. You because she hides from uh the Ferengi uh who was in her episode of um uh who was in her episode of you know Captain's Holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh she she kind of she whenever he's around she's like okay I'm out. Uh well and I loved you know, the idea of like, because we talked about all this idea of like collecting and physical media and all these things. And I love that you brought, you know, Kivas into this story because he is the the evil version of what collecting can become. That it is so yeah. much of an obsession that you're willing to sacrifice people for just yeah. things in the end. Like, and well, I, I thought, you know, he creates uh, the the perfect villain in that. Well, the uh, I'll say uh, uh, Fajrocon uh, or Fajrocon or whatever it is the Fajrofest, but that that is the 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 party. Um, that's the set piece that I was building up to and wanted to have the auction and everything else. I wanted to show these people that you know are 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 at his level of collecting uh, and just how bankrupt their lives are. Uh, you know dithering about you know the spelling of something on a sign or or whatever and it's all about one-upsmanship with them it's all about conversational pieces uh it's all about uh you know who has more stuff uh and um you know whoever has the most stuff at the end wins uh and uh you know i i uh yeah he was a very very easy character to write because i i could I could see him being both, um, you know, uh, kind and solicitous when he needed to be uh, playing the role that he needed to play in order to get all the stuff uh, from everybody evacuating uh, Romulan space. Uh, But at the same time, you know, he's looking for specific things and, this particular one is one that he will do anything for. Uh, and, um, you know, but it, it's, it, it's one of those things where I wanted to have, um, you know, 
Rios basically be somebody that he was interested only because he was inhabiting the ship that he cared about uh, and where he thought the uh, the item was. Um, and and Rios sneaks up on him, and yeah. and he and he realizes way too late. He realizes, oh, this guy is 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 formidable, and um, so. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, it was one of those books I never really went back to re- rewrite anything in terms of in so terms cool. of uh, you know some of these moments. Um, you know, I, I, I did go back and, as I say, um, uh, you know, tweak the Marquesa scene, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, I felt like, you know, this is uh, this is this is a book that has a whole lot of characters in it, and I think just about everybody winds up where I want them to. Well, and that's that's one of the things that I like too is that you know we don't get a ton of Starfleet in this book, but you um, gave us an admiral that we could kind of believe in because the only yeah. admiral we'd really seen in in this version of of Star Trek was Clancy, and she was terrible. So to yeah. have um, Picard's friend Marta back from the tapestry yeah. as being this admiral that we could kind of like hold on to is like somebody who's actually out there doing good was great. She's there. And, uh, and, uh, by the way, what's the name of her ship? It's the Galagian and Galagian is the, in- is the, uh, chief of engineering in uh, in, uh, in enterprise war. Uh, yeah, so, that's great. <laughs> so that's, that's another little minor callback, but yes, I wanted her to have, uh, I wanted her to have a, have a role, and uh, and uh, you know we knew that moment was going to be there. I also knew it would be his lowest moment uh, when she talks to him about everything else. You'll notice that in the book he doesn't actually get into anything that happened. Um, you know he he dances close to what happened a bunch of times, but he doesn't actually land on it until that night with her, uh, and. Um, I felt we had to go ahead and spoil that part if somebody hasn't seen Picard already, because I kind of felt like the reader was owed it by then. And you could not be in, you know, no level of denial would have allowed you to be in Rios's head for 130,000 words and not get into what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this makes it a proper prequel. Uh, and, you know, if that little bit of the show is, is spoiled, uh, that's okay with yeah. me. Yeah, I think it's 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 definitely needed for the book and it makes sense. And I think what'll be interesting too is if the show ever expounds on that to kind of give us more detail on it because I think all of us as fans would kind of love to know what the heck was all of that and and hopefully that's some place that they're going to go. Um but man, John, I just like you said it's been your longest book that you've ever written. It's probably been yeah. our longest conversation that we've gotten to have with you, which I think is amazing <laughs> because it's always so much. And there was just like you said, you crammed so much into this book with so many connections. Yeah. So I really appreciate you spending all the time to talk with us today. Thank you. And, you know, it's it, uh, it I've, I've, I've got to say, um, you know, it, it validates, uh, you know, the time that went in uh, because it was a good long time. Uh, you know, to be able to have people catch some of these things, you know, we don't even get into the La Serena. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I had to put a lot of work into figuring out actually what was where on that ship. Uh, and apparently there's a tumbler where somebody's doing the same thing, mapping the La Serena. Uh, but it, it, it's 
all of these things go into the soup. All these things go into the stew. And, you know, I got to say, you know, at this book um, and particularly the Prey Trilogy, because it was even longer, uh, you know, you never can tell when you're at the beginning whether it's going to come out right. Right. Um, whether whether you're going to hit what you intend to hit. Um, you know, I one of the reasons that I don't really do, you know, workshops or writing classes or whatever is I don't know that I, I, I can explain how to do this. I start with a mess. I, I start with a mess. I start with you know index cards on a on a magnetic whiteboard, and I I I know I want Vash in here. I know I want Pedro in here. I know I need something for them to chase. I know I think Chang. Oh yeah, I know I want Chang. Chang suggests the Klingons. All these things get added, and um. You know, you just never know until you actually get it, get it done. I hate the plotting stage, but I love writing. It's awesome, man. Well, uh, let everybody know where they can find you so they can keep up with what you've got coming out. Um, and if there's anything that they need to be looking for on the horizon from you as well. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of stuff come out this year that that you know, I either was not expecting or or um, uh, that uh, that uh, you know, is uh, kind of surprising. Um uh, you know, Picard, of course, uh, is is uh, is uh, out in hardcover, uh, audiobook, and ebook. Uh, also, you know, still out, and I'm only now getting to do my first signings for Die Standing, which uh, I was fortunate to, to, to have win the scribe last year. Um, but we also have um, uh, on the uh, on the Star Wars front, uh, there is coming out in uh, September. Uh, all the short stories that we did for Star Wars Insider Magazine have been coming out in two volumes so far from Titan. Uh, I have a story in both of them, and I have the lead story in the uh, the second one. Uh, I have the I have the cover of the first one and the lead story of the second one. Uh, those are hard covers uh, called I think Star Wars: The Fiction Collection, Star Wars Insider: The Fiction Collection, uh, and uh, and then the 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 big thing that came out uh, just about a month ago is. Uh, the entire Knights of the Old Republic series I did uh, is out in one mammoth 1,344-page book, uh, which um, you know I'm uh, delighted to say is probably about the best format I can imagine for it. Uh, and uh, you know, I was delighted to learn while I was at, uh, at Kansas City that it was the best-selling graphic novel in the comics shop market last month. Uh, not just... Not just in dollars, which we would expect because it's a hugely expensive book, but units too. Uh, and again, that's partially a consequence of the collector mania that's going on on that comic book. But also part of it is people want the book. People who yep. have the yep. book four or five different ways want the book. Uh, and uh, that means something to me. And um, you know, people... Uh, can get that at their comic shops. Uh, they can get that in, at uh, my convention appearances this summer while we still have them. Same thing for my website, which is farawaypress.com. Um, Twitter, JJM Faraway. Uh, Facebook, John Jackson Miller. Uh, uh, Instagram, John Jackson Miller. And then over on uh, you know my comics 
uh, sales chart side. That was so weird because I, I run the sales charts and I'm number one. <laughs> I, tweet, I tweeted about that. I said, this is embarrassing, but okay, I'll take it. Uh, you know, it's never happened like that before. I've had like a hundred comics on the chart, never this. Uh, but yeah, uh, comicron.com. It also has a Facebook page, a uh, Twitter page, uh, and actually a Patreon. Uh, nice. So people can help me buy some of the buy some of the really old, weird, uh, uh, you know, uh, distributor catalogs and things that I need to fill out what I need to do to do my tracking. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'm glad that that came out. The um, Knights of the Republic. Uh, you know, I've read that entire series and. I loved that series, so I'm gonna have to look into because I saw that that came out, and I don't. It's it's great. It, it came out, and also uh, the month before it, uh, the epic collection for uh, volume four uh, came out for the Old Republic. That's got my Lost Tribe of the Sith comics. Oh, that's and fantastic. the fifth the fifth one when that comes out, we'll have all the Knight Errant comics. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And, and and so people will have in and eventually probably like 2025. You'll get volume two of the monster book, uh, and uh, people will have in you know this twenty five hundred or whatever page monstrosity uh, two volumes. Almost everything I did for Star Wars That's in awesome. comics. That's awesome, man. Well, I, John, with the success of this book, I hope that they'll have you back to write more uh, in the Star Trek universe. Um, this was phenomenal. And hopefully maybe even get to follow it up with some more Rios. But thank you so much for joining us here on Literary Tracks. Definitely. Thank you. I I appreciate getting to talk about all this. Well, Bruce, uh, I definitely love the fact that we get to have the authors here on Literary Tracks and, you know, the fact that we get to talk about their work uh, with them and and hear about the process of, of writing these books and the stories and the creative process that goes into that, which is just always so much fun and I love, you know, John, he's he's been great to the show, good friend of the show, and so always good to have him back on. Yeah, I'm glad that he came on the show and did the interview because, you know, as he said to me, you know, he wouldn't do the interview if I was going to be on. So that's why I sat out. So I'm glad that, that no, of course not. No, 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 no. But no, John's a great guy. He's one of my favorite Star Wars authors. When I heard he was coming over to Star Trek, I was really excited about that. And I have not been disappointed. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I think if I remember, if I'm thinking back now, I think every Star Trek novel he comes out with gets better and better. I think you're right. No, I absolutely think you're right, because this is definitely one of his best. And I, you know, I don't normally do this, but, you know, I would say I really loved this book. You know, I I think he did a great job. And I think the best part about it was that regardless of how I felt about Picard as a series, this book stood up on its own. And that was the exciting part. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this book, even if no one's seen the Picard series, they could read this book. It's not a requirement to see Picard in order to enjoy this book. 100%. And I think that's a hallmark of a good author. So, well, Bruce, you know, if people do want to catch up with you, see what else you've got going on, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. I'm also on the Positively Trek podcast with Dan Gunther talking all things about Star Trek. And I'm occasionally on the Star Wars report, which we're wrapping up uh, sometime probably in May of 22. So that show is ending with its 501st episode. And you can find me all over the place, Matt Rushing Zero Two. 
Uh, that's my name on social media. So just check me out on the social media platforms there. Uh, you can find me here on the network doing the 602 Club, which is our general geek show where we talk about all of the fandoms we love. And of course, not only doing that, but in that same feed, you can find Snyder Cuts, where John Mills and I talked about everything that Zack Snyder's directed. Uh, you could find me doing The Orb as well with Christopher Jones. We talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Don't worry, we've got new episodes coming out of that. We've got some special things in the network coming up very soon, so please stay tuned. And you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network. I do two shows over there. One is called Owl Post with Drea Kaufman. We walked through every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. And then John Mills and I do Aggressive Negotiations as we talk about Star Wars each and every week. But of course, you know what? Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one. <laughs>